personal finance presentation selecting a savings plan prepare to get financially fit by practicing personal finance we're looking at factors to consider when thinking about a savings account and different types of accounts and accounts at different institutions keeping in mind that when we're thinking about our savings we want to think about the different categories pros and cons to kind of break down into categories which might include stocks versus bonds versus some kind of savings accounts then we can look at the normal kind of savings accounts what would be somewhat standardized types of savings accounts which include things like normal savings accounts as well as cd accounts and then we can compare those types of accounts to other uh, institutions making those comparisons across institutions using these kinds of factors so obviously we have the rate of return we're just going to list these out first and then we'll go into some of them in some more detail we could take into account inflation, the tax impact, liquidity, safety, and restrictions and fees. Let's go into some of these in a bit more detail. We're going to start with the rate of return. Obviously, the growth on the savings is going to be one of the key factors. When you compare the growth on the savings to other types of investments, such as investing in stocks, you would assume that the growth would be less than the investment in stocks, but there's going to be less risk involved. So that's going to be your kind of comparing and contrasting there. When you've chosen then to, to think about some type of savings plan, then you're going to be comparing the rate of return in relation to other kind of instruments that are savings instruments and other institutions that might have similar instruments uh, comparing and contrasting the rates. Obviously, the higher the rate, the better, balancing out the rate of return and the risk also balancing out the different rate of return and risk in relation to our overall portfolio that we have. So we want to, the, uh, the increase in the frequency of the compounding could have an impact on the rate of return, which we'll talk about shortly. So we generally want to be comparing the annual yield. So in other words, the truth in saving requires the disclosure of when you're doing these comparisons between the savings rates at different institutions, then you can expect these things to be disclosed and that would include things like fees uh, on deposit accounts. So they have to have the fees in there because these are going to be part of the charges when you invest into something like a savings account. Obviously, the bank is going to charge. How are they going to charge? Well, typically, they can either charge you interest uh, on it, which is basically the rent on the money, or they can try to charge you some kind of, quote, fees, end quote, which is the, a similar type of thing. It's just a different kind of category you're paying for the service right so they need to be up front and the, the government or the fed or the government is going to try to make laws to to make different institutions give you some standardization of these types of things so that you can make appropriate uh, categories the goal here transparency so that you can compare different categories so interest rates the annual percentage yields now this is going to be one of the big ones because you can think about if you were looking at an institution that was trying to be deceptive, and obviously if you're thinking about an institution that's trying to be deceptive in the way they're presenting, you don't want to be dealing with that institution. But if you if you were thinking about someone that's trying to be deceptive on their on how they're presenting things, they could adjust basically the compounding of the interest or represent things in different formats or represent the interest rates in, in different uh, for different time frames. So the way that we generally will standardize things, as we've talked about in prior presentations with time value of money, is usually to look at the annual percentage yield. 
So if there's different kind of compoundings that will take place in this example, if we were to compound uh, methods daily, monthly, quarterly, annually, then you could result then in different end results here for the daily, monthly, quarterly, and so on and so forth. Typically, the, at the higher the compounding, the better when investing, because if you're investing money, then if they compound more often, you're making interest on the interest. You're earning money on what had already been earned in the past. So that different compounding can be difficult to compare if you're looking at uh, rates that are being compounded differently. The, generally, the way to standardize that, to try to compare the same thing to the same thing, apples to apples, is to use the annual percentage yield, which is generally required to be given. And that hopefully can allow you to do better comparisons uh, with that number. So the APY is the actual rate of return that will be earned in one year if the interest is compounded. Compounded interest is added periodically to the total invested, which increases the balance resulting in each interest payment being larger because it is based on the higher balance. Now, if that sounds confusing to you, take a look at some of our time value of money calculations in a prior section. The idea here being, of course, is that there's growth. You're earning money on money. So therefore, when you do this interest calculation and you've earned interest, which is going back into the principal, then your next interest payments will be higher. Now that, of course, will be more effective if you're, if you're growing it and compounding uh, more times, daily versus monthly versus quarterly versus annually in the example to the left. The more often interest is compounded, the better the return will be. So again, the, the, the way to kind of standardize this and look at the same thing to the same thing would be to take a look at the annual yield to try to annualize and, and be able to compare the, the different uh, methods that would be involved. Then we have inflation. So higher consumer prices result in lower buying power of the interest earned on savings. When you're thinking about inflation, you're realizing the fact that the purchasing power of your dollars will, will be going down almost certainly because the Fed actually shoots for the purchasing shower. They try to have it go down by by one or three percent because they feel that that's going to be a range generally where they can still put enough money into the market so that it has the it has the money can flow within the market so that's generally what they're going for and you could end up with periods of higher or lower than that so there's two things you want to consider with the inflation then you want to first think about when you're doing your savings plan that if you're looking at future goals, you're taking into consideration the fact that the purchasing power of the money will go down by at least one to three percent so that you have the appropriate savings to meet whatever goal that you're going for in the future, whether that be short to immediate, intermediate term or long term like retirement type of planning. And also you might try to think about what's going to happen in the future, future with relation to inflation. Inflation will generally have some uh, correlation then with the interest rates that are going to happen because if you're in a period of high inflation, you would expect then that uh, that uh, the interest rates are going to go up and so on and so forth. So you could try to speculate what you think is going to be happening and then adjust the amount of your savings to either lock in the the rates or or to to try to have yourself more flexibility. In other words, if you think you're going to go and the interest rates are going to go down in the future, then you might try to lock in more longer term, say CDs in the current time frame. And if you think that the interest rates are going to go up in the future due to in part inflation, 
then you'd say maybe you want shorter term periods for things like CDs and more liquid uh, accounts in your savings so that when the rates go up, you can then uh, invest at the higher rates. But that's getting a little bit more on the speculative side of things. So the general thing, and then you're trying to outguess the market there, which can be a little bit difficult. Generally, you just want to take into consideration in your overall portfolio that you're going to have inflation happening over the long term and shoot for a goal that takes into consideration at least one to three percent, you would think, of inflation over the long run. Then we have taxes. We have the taxable interest reduces the amount of earnings. So if you were to compare different types of investments, we have to think about the tax impact. Now, if you were to just, if you're comparing different kind of savings accounts where you're earning interest, interest is is generally going to be taxable, meaning any income you have with interest, you're going to get a 1099 on it, and you'll typically have to pay income taxes on it. Now, there would be exceptions for certain types of investments, usually in something like government bonds or something like that, because the government's trying to give you the incentive to invest in them to finance the government by giving you a tax incentive. So you could look at those. So usually interest then taxable with the exception if you put money into a special tax exempt savings, usually government bonds of some kind, and then you can compare and contrast between those two. Now, remember, when you're looking at something that's going to be tax exempt, meaning the earnings are not subject to tax, that's usually already kind of worked into the market because the fact that it's not subject to tax means that there's going to, that means that you might have a more modest or lower return due to the fact that, that there, that you have that tax benefit on it. So, so you, your goal may not be to have all of your money invested somewhere where it's going to be tax exempt, possibly because you might be able to get a higher return somewhere else but when you look at your whole portfolio as a whole and if interest is significant part of your earnings then it would be nice in your portfolio to have some of the interest be coming from uh, tax exempt interest and some of the interest to be coming from or other earnings coming from uh, other areas that are subject to tax and that might be able to allow you to get to a lower tax bracket given the fact that we have a progressive tax system so if a good portion of your income is income that is exempt from taxes that you don't have to put on the tax return as income, that could result in, in a lower you know, overall income for the year. And because we don't have a flat tax rate, but a progressive tax rate, if you can get some of your spending money from non-tax items, that could lower the, tax, the taxes that you, would, that you would owe. Now, also note that you could be uh, comparing the, the tax impact on investments versus other type of investments, meaning savings accounts versus other types of investments like investing in stocks or something like that, where you could have different tax impacts. If you invest in stocks, then the dividends will usually be taxable, but you might have div different rates that the dividends might be taxable at. And if you're looking at growth stocks where the stock is going to increase in value, and your goal is to sell them at some future point, then that growth in the stock usually is not taxed, what, what might be considered deferred tax, because you're going to calculate that when you sell the stock, and then you'll have a gain, which is a capital gain. So those have a different different kind of tax, tax uh, impact that you can take a look at. So your goal here, you can compare your savings account where you're talking about interest, what's the tax impact there, versus other investments like stocks, and then when you're looking at just the interest type of accounts that you're interest, getting interest, you can compare the items that are taxable interest and the items that are tax exempt, comparing the rates between the two. 
and trying to take into consideration the tax uh, exempt impact when you're looking at the investments. Then we have the liquidity, the ease that the savings can be withdrawn. So if you're looking at the savings accounts, then to get a good return on the savings, usually you have to basically, you know, if you lock the money down, you might get a better return on the savings. So once again, you can compare between other types of investments, things like stocks, where you might be able to put money into a mutual fund as long as it's not under an umbrella of an IRA or 401k plan. If it's under the umbrella of, a of an IRA or 401k plan, then you're more restricted. If it's not, then you may still be able to get access to it with tax impacts, but you, you know, without penalties that would be involved. Then you can compare just savings accounts, different types of savings accounts uh, to themselves. And you could say, well, some savings accounts uh, are fairly liquid, but they're going to have a very low return on it. And other savings accounts, such as CDs, for example, might have then a higher rate of return, but you're going to have to lock them in. So that's the comparison with the liquidity, which you want to be comparing the trade-off between liquidity, how easy it is to pull out versus the returns that you're going to be getting, and then take a look at that in alignment with your overall portfolio to determine how much liquidity you need to cover the immediate expenses you have and the emergency funds. And then we have safety. So how safe is it? So oftentimes you want to think about, once again, you can compare a savings type of account to some other type of investment, such as stocks. And stocks are usually going to be less safe. You don't have the armor on the stocks as much because if they go down, then they're, they're going to go down, right? So, so you don't have the assurance that you have, although you usually have a higher ability or likelihood that they can go up at a higher rate. Then you can compare different types of savings accounts and different institutions in the category of savings accounts. And you'd want to be thinking about if they're going to be uh, availability of the FDIC. Are, are they going to be insured by the FDIC? And the standard deposit insurance covered limit is 250000 per deposit per FDIC insured bank per ownership category. So that's going to be, and that over time, you could have differences or changes or increases, you would think, to the level of the FDIC insurance. But you want to know how much is the account that you have covered by the FDIC insurance? And if so, and if you have a lot of money in particular institutions and you have different savings accounts within one institution, then you want to be start to verify, make sure that you are you have coverage of the FDIC to the point that you can. And you might then work with different types of funds and different types of institutions possibly to make sure that you can maximize your safety with regards to the savings accounts because the fact that you're putting some of the money in the savings account, that's part of one of the benefits that you're getting. The fact that you don't have them in the stocks and you're trying to put this amount of money into the savings account is because it's a safer account, even though the trade-off is generally a lower return. So you want to make sure that you're maximizing that benefit when you're using that strategy for that part of your investment portfolio. And then we, of course, have restrictions and fees. You might have many minimum balances and fee for additional transactions. So if when you're putting money, you can compare this again to something like putting money into other types of investments, such as stocks, which you may or may not have transactional fees. If you're putting money in or out, you may have a minimum amount that you would need to put in if you're putting something into like a mutual fund or something like that, which you would compare and contrast to what you would need to put in to like a savings account or a CD type of account. 
and then you can narrow down if you're trying to put money into a savings account at a financial institution as opposed to something like stocks then what are the differences between the types of savings accounts cds for example versus other savings and different institutions which may have different minimum balances meaning if you're going to put money for example into a cd you you know what's going to be the minimum balance that you have to put into something like a cd and as opposed to say a savings account what's the minimum balance you need on the savings account and then what kind of transactional fees are there any are there transactional fees related to setting up the trade the, the accounts transferring transferring and so on and so forth you would expect that that uh, if you put in the minimum balance and you have enough money in there that you should have fairly minimal you know fees related to it generally 